The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is up, Clipper Nation? We are almost there. Just a couple more days till the season opener between the Clippers and the Lakers on Tuesday night. This will most likely be the final podcast before the season starts. I'm stoked. I hope you are too. Should be a tremendous game. Looking forward to seeing Kawhi in the regular season. Obviously, it'd be a little bit nicer if PG was healthy for this opening contest against the Lakers. But nonetheless, it'll be great to see the Clippers back in action. And curious to see what they look like on opening night. Who starts? Who's coming off the bench? Who's getting a lot of minutes? Will Terrence Mann get any minutes? How will Patrick Beverly look alongside Kawhi Leonard? Also very curious to see as the season goes on how many minutes Kawhi will be playing per night. Will he be load managed? How many games will he sit out? Obviously PG set to sit out at least the first 10 games. Very interesting quote last night from Kawhi Leonard after the final preseason game where he said he will not be load managed. He's expecting things to be different. I'll talk to Justin Wilson of LA Clippers film, see what he thinks about that, because it'll be interesting to see what the Clippers decide to do with Kawhi. Obviously, the goal is to win an NBA title, and that means having Kawhi healthy for the entire postseason. But does that mean that he can still play 70 or more games during the regular season? I think so, but it also depends on how tough those minutes are as well. Don't forget, you can follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. You can follow the podcast at Hoopball Clips. Of course, this is a Hawaiian Isles Kona coffee presentation. Don't forget to go on Amazon, get that Hawaiian Isles Kona coffee, get some caffeine, and make sure you are ready to go for the regular season. Should be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, a little bit of a bummer in the whole NBA landscape that Zion Williamson got hurt. He's expected to miss some time. How long? We don't know. Looks like maybe at least seven games. I would like to see him healthy, but that being said, I don't know if he's going to stay healthy. This is a guy that was hurt at Duke. Don't forget, remember he had that shoe incident, ended up hurting his leg. It was the knee, I believe. And then, of course, he came back. He looked great during the NCAA tournament, but then here he is hurt again, and it's another knee injury. This may be a really sad story where it's a guy that just cannot shake an injury season after season, but we'll have to see. Obviously hoping for the best. I think the league is in better hands when Zion is healthy because the Pelicans were going to be a really fun league pass team, of course, with former Clipper J.J. Redick. So without further ado, let's get to the podcast. Let's talk to Justin Wilson. You can check out his work at LA Clippers Film. He's got a lot of video content. He analyzes it with the best of them, and he talks Clippers with the best of them. He's Justin Wilson, who runs the at LA Clippers Film handle. Justin, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? Um, that intro was great. I'm, I'm actually floored by that. I wasn't expecting that, but thank you. I feel really appreciated. I appreciate being here. Appreciate the opportunity to talk some Clipper basketball. Of course. You're our first two-time guest, so big honor for you there. Uh, we have gone through almost everybody that covers the Clippers. we still got a couple more I'd like to get on, but you are our first two-time guest, so the big honor for you. I hope you accept it with pride. Uh, I definitely do. I'm, I'm going to like get maybe a championship ring with it, and that says 
two-time guest on this. There you go. There you go. Hopefully it's the same uh, championship ring the Clippers are getting. Let's get straight into it. Um, I want to get your take on something that I brought up on the intro about Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, there was some news that came out last night after the preseason game when he was interviewed with load management, obviously, is on everybody's minds. And he said it's going to be very different from last year. Are you buying that? Because part of me is and part of me isn't. Because I think the goal is obviously to have the Clippers make sure he's healthy for the postseason. And that means resting him a little bit. But at the same time, if PG's not going to be healthy for the first 10 or so games, maybe you do play Kawhi a little bit more than you intended. Um, I I got to say that I got, I got to buy it. And I buy it only because I feel as though if Kawhi is willing to jump off the porch that much to mention how healthy he is, then that's obviously great news for us as fans and followers of the Clippers. But I also think in the climate in the Western Conference, I don't know if we could afford to load manage Kawhi if we don't have to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm not so sure that load management is going to be as much of a deal for Kawhi as it was last season, given the climate of the West. Now, if he, if, if he has some nagging injuries and things like that, then of course I think the Clippers are going to do right by him and protect him and make sure that he's fully healthy by the, by the end of the season and into the postseason. But I, I got to take his word at face value. I take the Clippers word at face value. If they don't plan to load manage Kawhi Leonard, as much, if at all, this year, then I believe it. And with the Western Conference the way it is this year, and with Paul Paul not being ready at the start of the season, missing the first ten or so games, I, I think it, I think it's necessary to not load manage him as much. It's a good point. It's a really good point because obviously being on Toronto in the East is very different than being on the Clippers in the West. And like you say, I mean, no Paul George. So then here's my question to you over under 70 games played for Kawhi Leonard, because my guess is that Kawhi won't be sitting at all until PG is back, maybe one game. But apart from that, I think Kawhi is going to be a full go. You know, over or under, that's a great question. If I had to guess, I'm going to say the over. Okay, I'll 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 bite on the over. Um, before that injury year with San Antonio, where he played nine games, he played seventy four the year before that, and he played seventy two the year before that, and he played sixty last year when he was being load managed. So, if if he stays relatively healthy throughout the rest throughout this season, I can I could see him getting over seventy. I think that sounds a bit optimistic. And I do think there is a world where he plays maybe 67 or something like that. But I think he'll get to 70 or at least very close to it. How do you think he looked in the preseason? Obviously, you watched a lot of the tape. You watched a bunch of the games and checked out how the Clippers were operating with him offensively. It's very different, obviously, this year than last year with having a guy like Kawhi that can run the offense and do so much. How do you think he looked? Um. For me, in the preseason, I'm more so with Kawhi. I was just looking at, honestly, his health. How's, how's, he, how's he moving? How's he running? Is he showing any signs of limping or anything like that? So to me, he looked real good. Um, 
there was the moment the first, his first game was probably against Denver against Denver was like I was blown away by some of the passes that he was making, the timing of his passes and in some of the stuff that I've seen in practice, he's starting to develop some really good chemistry with um Zoo and things like that. Um I'm just I'm impressed more so with his passing that I've seen in the limited amounts of that he's played in the preseason. And if that if that actually if he's still developing and getting better as a player in that regard, then the Clippers season just gets that much more optimistic to me because we're obviously going to be playing through him a lot. And if he's a guy that not only can get a bucket for himself but can create for others, then you know he he becomes a bona fide tier one best player in the league kind of guy. Not that, not to say that he's not already, but the passing is probably the only thing that's separating him from being on that bona fide LeBron James level tier. And if he becomes even remotely good as a playmaker, um, we could start to see some things. And that I kind of, I kind of loved what I saw from him in a, as a playmaker in a preseason. And I'm kind of anticipating what that looks like over the course of like 35 minutes a night. Was that all you think he needed to do to take that next step? I mean, was there anything else in his game that was lacking? Or do you think it was just the ability to get others involved? Um, to be honest, I thought he took a jump last year as a playmaker. Um, the raw assist numbers probably won't show it, but he really showed, at least when I watched him in Toronto last year, he's a willing passer. And he's a guy that in pick and roll will make the right pass and will make the right read. Sometimes his pass his timing when his passes are off. Like he'll he'll stick with the ball a beat or two too long. But judging from towards the end of the season in Toronto and what I've seen in the bits and pieces this preseason, um, he's grown he's grown a lot in that in that area. And honestly that's probably the only quote unquote hole in his game. He's a complete three-level scorer. Um, we all know what he can do on the defensive end when he's locked in. Um, yeah, that's probably the only hole, and that's probably the only thing I was looking for because when you've got guys like Zoo and especially Montrez, who's probably one of, if not the best, um, rollers in basketball, um, being able to play pick and roll effectively with Kawhi can only help the Clippers in the long run. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I think if he's able to increase his assist total and become more of a playmaker, that may actually be a way to load manage with him still on the court, with him not having to do, do as much offensively. You would think that if he can get guys like Kawhi, or get guys like Lou and Trez involved offensively, and obviously PG too when he comes back, then he doesn't need to do as much offensively, and that will take a little bit less of a wear and tear on his legs, which I think is important. And I'll be curious to see in the first 10 games, though, without PG, how much he has to do. I think that worries me a little bit because you and I have talked about in the past, obviously, about how good this team is and how deep this team is. But one thing we kind of saw in the preseason is that the team kind of got exposed a little bit at times where it yep. seemed like... I, I, that, yeah, that's something that I wanted to get to later, yep. Yeah, where it just seemed like... Everybody was kind of jumping ship. Maybe this team's not as good as they were. They're trying to find buckets, and they can't find them. 
And what I continue to harp on, and I don't think people realize, is that this team in the preseason is very different than the team that we're going to see in a month. And the reason that is the case and why you can't compare it to last year is because you obviously lost Gallinari and you lost SGA. Without those two guys, that team doesn't come close to winning 48 games last year. And then in the preseason, you have Kawhi limited minutes and you don't have PG. So you're playing with a team that wouldn't be in the playoffs most likely when you lose a guy like SGA and Gallinari. I'm curious to get your take on the expectations for the team and whether the preseason really mattered. Um, I'm I'm going to be quite honest. I don't think the preseason matters, not even a little bit. And and this is and it's going to sound biased because I'm 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 a Clipper guy, but it it, it couldn't matter less even if you tried. I mean, the whole I, I tweeted this. Um, the whole point of the Clippers is Kawhi Leonard plus PG plus depth. Um, we haven't even gotten to the point where we're playing Kawhi Leonard enough minutes to see what this version of the Clippers is going to look like. Um, God, God bless guys like Jerome Robinson and things like that, but these guys aren't going to be in our rotation. So I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, my expectations for the Clippers haven't changed at all, not even a little bit. Um, but I am anxious to see how it all looks when our actual guys are playing actual regular regular minutes. When Patrick Beverly is out there for thirty five minutes a night, thirty minutes a night. Um, same thing with Sham and Lou and Trez and Kawhi, and then later PG. So until we actually get to see what it actually looks like, um, I'm not sure that we can jump to any sort of conclusions based on what we see in the preseason. Now, that being said, the preseason offensively was dreadful. Um, we didn't, we weren't able to get to any sort of our first or second or even our third options on offense. A lot of it was just, picking rolls with non-shot creators that led to nowhere and we weren't able to score. And if Kawhi's not playing many big minutes and if Lou isn't playing a lot of minutes, then, you know, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much curtains for our offense. So of course our offense is going to look bad in the preseason, but no, I don't, I don't put much value into the preseason at all other than seeing if guys are in shape other than getting some little good basketball content on television to uh, hold me over until the season starts. But other than that, you just look for like any sort of like trends or anything like that. But with the Clippers roster being so in flux in the preseason, it you just can't take anything from it. So the lack of offense, you think that was just the lack of minutes for Kawhi and Lou Williams or something else there? Um, it could be something there. It could be something there. I'm going to lean to just the lack of minutes. Um, from the bits and pieces I saw of Kawhi as a playmaker and some of the stuff that I've seen from Lou this year, I mean, in the preseason, um, I, I kind of think that if they were playing a lot more minutes, um, a lot of our pick and roll stuff that we love to do, a lot of our delay stuff that we love to do would have generated much more efficient offense. Um, those guys are just too good of passers. Guys like Trez are too good of finishers. Um, for our offense, and Doc is way too good of a coach for our offense 
to look as um, sh- shitty as sorry, but uh, as as it as it's been. Mm-hmm. If those guys are playing um, routine minutes, uh, I don't think the offense will suffer too much. But it has looked very bad on um, in the preseason. Very bad. Yeah, uh, I'm curious to get your opinion on Terrence Mann. Uh, obviously there was a lot of hype around man throughout the entire preseason to the point where you had players that were asking for him to play more minutes. How much of a role do you think he has on this team? Because initially you have some injuries. So is he going to get some minutes you think opening night? Um, so one thing that we haven't heard a lot about, at least I haven't, um, ever since Rodney Magruder hurt his ankle, um, he's been he's been mysteriously am I haven't I haven't seen or heard much about that development. Um, I could see a world in which he could get a few minutes opening night. I think Doc is going to throw him out there actually, and I think it's something I think it's something to monitor. I think towards the end of the season, um, if he continues making some progress, he could he could he could break into the rotation. Um, I doubt it only just because um rookies have a hard time breaking into the rotation of championship contenders um you don't win with you and when you're trying to win the championship i coaches get coaches get very short leashes with rookies um and he and he isn't it's not like he's a lottery pick or anything like that so i don't think i don't think he's going to get any sort of serious rotation minutes this year. But I think that I wouldn't be surprised if he did because he has a ton of tools that, um, that for me are extremely attractive, really appealing. Um, he's big, he's long, he's still learning the point guard position um, at the NBA level. Uh, his defense on the ball from what I've seen has been some really good work. Um, his it's off the ball work. His needs a lot of work, but on the ball defensively, I think defensively he's a little bit further ahead on than he is on offense. But yeah, there's a lot to like about Terrence Mann, and um, I'm like everybody else. I'm a fan of what he can be more so than what he is right now. But I too, like everyone else, I'm anxious to see how that looks against actual NBA competition when the games matter. I kind of steer away from getting too excited um, from the preseason, even though he made some really good passes. He's had some really good moments in the preseason that makes you optimistic, but I'm still kind of cautious on him. Yeah, and he can play several different positions. Do you think he plays more games at the NBA level or at the G League level this season? That's a great question. Um, I'm going to lean towards – I'm feeling good about this. I think he's going to play more games on the NBA level. Hmm. Interesting. I, I do. I do. I do. I, I I, think that there is enough to like there to where he can come into a game. and it, Maybe it's just me, but he just looks the part of a rotation player. He has the size. He has the length. And it's more so about defense than offense um, with, with young guys, especially young guys who who are going to be playing next to Paul George and Kawhi and Lou Williams there's not going to be much of an opportunity when the games matter for him to like really put an imprint on offense, but defense is where he's going to get on the floor. And if he can be, and if he can get even a little bit better off the ball and 
so people won't be targeting him so much. Um, yeah, I could foresee a, wor- a world where he plays more NBA games and G League games this year. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? It's an interesting discussion because part of me feels like he'd be better off playing 30 plus minutes of the G League level and getting better there and getting more reps. But then you got to kind of weigh which is more important, getting the 30 plus minutes of the G League level or getting practice time in with the NBA team and getting a couple of minutes in a regular season game with the NBA team. And I can see the pluses and minuses, obviously, with both. And it's interesting. I would like to see him get G League minutes this year. I think that'll be important for him to play at least 15 to 20 games of the G League level so he can get those minutes, get those reps, and see what he needs to work on in a game capacity where he's only playing four minutes of the NBA level versus 30 plus of the G league level. You can see a lot more in the bigger sample, but at that being said, if a guy is going to show that much promise and you think you can build him and actually have him become a part of your future, I think it's important. He spends time with the NBA team, but that being said, I think I would like, if everyone's healthy, I'd like to see him spend more time at the G league level, but that's obviously a big if considering that we're seeing a lot of injuries already before the season started. Yeah. I mean, I think from a confidence level, the G league helps a ton with guys as far as, you know, no matter what level you are, if you're just sitting on the bench every single game, the little times you do get in the game, you're not going to do much of anything because you're going to be frightened because you don't have the confidence. So I would love to see him definitely spend some time in the G league uh, at the G league level, um, working on certain shots that he's going to see against NBA defenses and stuff like that. Um, I worry about the G league a little bit just because the brand of basketball is just, it can get so, so bad at the G league level. So you don't, you don't want somebody to get bad habits and stuff like that there. But from a confidence standpoint, I definitely would love to see it. And as you said, injuries happen, and I don't, I don't foresee us being completely healthy the entire season. So um, he'll get, he'll get his chances, he'll get his opportunities, and if he, if he shows out, and if he lives up to the promise that um, a lot of us foresee in him, um, he could be, he could end up at the, in, in the rotation at the end of the year. Yeah, I think that'll be one guy that'll be interesting to watch throughout the season. Um, speaking of the depth on this team and whether the Clippers need more players that are willing to come off the bench in a certain role, the one thing that continues to worry me, Justin, I'm curious to get your opinion on this as well, is that watching the Laker game and seeing McGee and Davis on the floor together it worries me the Clippers don't have enough height. And I think opening night, we're really trending towards Zoo and Jermichael Green starting at power forward and center. And I'm not sure if the Clippers are going to get exposed there. I kind of feel like they are, but I don't know what you do. If you're the Clippers, do you bring in a guy like Noah? Do you go and get somebody else? Because I think that's going to be a point of weakness, and it does worry me they haven't addressed that yet. Um. So I am a zoo guy. Um, I think he has enough size to compete. Um, I, I'm actually, he's one of the guys I'm looking forward to seeing if we could, he could have a little mini bit of a breakout year here. 
um, they're definitely going to be undersized against a team like the Lakers um, or like the Sixers or something like that. Um, what worries me is that they don't really have a backup center with size. Mm-hmm. So if Zoo gets hurt or something like that, we're screwed. Um, I, I, I'm of the belief that they're, they're of the approach that they're just going to play it out. And if it becomes an issue, if it's something that's obviously glaring once the games actually are played, then then that's a situation that they'll look at maybe through trades, maybe through the buyout market. Um, that's the Clippers do have some assets to trade. I think if if that if it came to a point where the size of the glaring issue and they're getting killed on 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 the boards and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the Lakers are huge. Um, we haven't had to, and this is no shots to the Lakers, but we haven't had to deal with them competing against us for the last X amount of years in our division. But now that they are contenders as well as us, those four games against them aren't guaranteed W's and they matter. And in that regard, um, yeah, they may have to address it if come not Tuesday and the four coming games against them, we if if our front line just doesn't match up, we may have to uh, do some things to address that. Um, but I I wouldn't say I'm too concerned yet. I want like I I just want to see how it looks, and it's like okay, we we may need to address that, or okay, we we can we can work our way around that. Um, but yet. Optically, it doesn't look the best. I will say that. Yeah, and I mean, you look at every single game and they're getting out-rebounded. And at what point does Lawrence Frank look at this and say, you know what, we need to make a change. We need to bring somebody in. Because last night they got out-rebounded 58-39. to And I was talking about it with Tomer that really it seems like every single game they're getting out-rebounded and it's not close. So if it was close, it would be a different story but they're getting crushed on the boards. And if you're giving second chance opportunities to teams, then you're going to be in trouble because no matter how good your defense is, asking them to get yeah. two or three stops every single possession is not fair. And it's not really something that's going to work out on your favor. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, you are absolutely right. Um, I will say that, as we all know, the Clippers have been probably the most active team near the deadline for the last couple of years. Um, so I, I I can almost guarantee that this isn't going to be the roster that the Clippers are going to carry into the playoffs. Um, they will make some win-now moves if, if, if it's necessary. And honestly, I did not know the rebounding numbers were that, that dire. Um, it looked that way. It certainly did. But yeah, that's a cause of concern. If on paper they look small up front, and then when you watch the game, they they're not competing on the boards, then then that that's gonna be that's gonna be something that they probably have to address. I, I'm in I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm in total agreement with you on that. Um, no matter how good your wings are on defense, if you can't clean up your backboard then you're just going to be hemorrhaging second chance points. And it's just going to take a toll on your offense because you're going to have to play five on five more than you would like to. Yeah. And the game before against Denver was 51 33. So they're really not close at all. I mean, it's bad. It's really, really bad. And you wonder why wait until February when you know, it's already a weakness. Why wait? Because if zoo does get hurt, really, what are you going to do? 
Yeah, I, I mean, you mentioned it. You're in trouble. What do you do? Do you then put green at the five and then go super small and try and just run teams off the floor? Because then you go and you put pressure on Kawhi and PG again, running up and down the floor, which I don't think you want to do. So it's really difficult because as good as your defense is, and obviously the Clippers have a very good defense, it just does worry me when you're giving a team second and a third chance because eventually they'll convert. Even if they're a bad team, eventually they'll convert. And then you obviously have the worries that PG is out initially and Kawhi may be load managed. And that's why I'm scared because part of me is like this team is not as foolproof as we thought. Well, well, that, that they have flaws, but and their flaws are going to be exacerbated uh, at least until Paul George comes back. Um, and this, it's unfair for Patrick Beverly. He's a great rebounder for his position, but if if I I don't want to jump the gun on on our rebounding until the games are played, but you bring up a great point about why wait. And looking at the backup five position um, with nobody behind Zoo, basically the only playable seven-footer on the team we have is Zubac. Um, that is that is definitely something that's a cause of concern. I actually wrote it down to bring up bring up today within our conversation. Um, I, I I don't know what 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 a move right now would look like. Um, it's weird that the Clippers didn't get in on Joe Kim Noah like we all assumed or thought it would be. So that's definitely something to monitor. It's something I'm going to keep my eye on. And if we get killed on the boards um, Tuesday night, uh, that's definitely going to be a, a red flag because we're not going to grow any taller. <laughs> yeah. Who are the biggest trade chips, do you think? Uh, for us? Yeah. If you had to go and make a trade. And it wasn't, by the way, I do think that you're going to be right and that the Clippers are going to add somebody like an Ennis Cantor that the Celtics obviously have now, but a team that can go like Portland was able to grab him and have him for the playoffs. So it was obviously super helpful. I think the Clippers wound up doing something very similar with the center that gets waived um, and they'll end up claiming them. But if you had to make a trade and let's say you can't wait that long for somebody to be waived, who would you end up trading? Who do you think is the best trade piece right now? Is it Terrence Mann? Um, I, what about Montrez Harold? You think you could trade Harold? You, you would trade him to try and get a big, um, not necessarily, but I do think he's probably, he's one of the most attractive trade pieces that the Clippers have. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the Clippers are going to want to pay him this summer anyway. Um, but I look at somebody like Steven Adams in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't know how much he's making, but he would be great for, he would be great. And he's somebody that I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers made a run at or, or Serge Ibaka or, or something like that. Um, I think Terrence Mann, if, if, if he, if we had to throw in a tray uh, to build a package, he definitely probably would be, Included, but yeah, I, I look at Montrez Harold and and I look at somebody that I I don't know if he's going to play the entire year with the team. Interesting. I never even thought about that as as it being an option because you thought that Trez obviously fit in so well with that team. Adams, by the way, signed a four year, hundred million dollar contract that kicked in two years ago, so he's got two years left, twenty five million, I believe, each year. Um, so he's a free agent in twenty twenty one. 
I'll tell you what, though. That Oklahoma City team, man, the, obviously Adams' contract is a monstrosity, but that team's going to be good this year. I think as long as CP3 can stay healthy, you pair that obviously with SGA, and then you have Adams. That team with Schroeder is going to be competitive, and they're going to be fun to watch. But, man, I got to tell you, SGA, it's sad to watch that he's gone now because he is so damn good. You watched him during the preseason, obviously, and he was tremendous. He was leading that team in scoring pretty much every single game. That's obviously not going to continue in the regular season, but he's clearly taken a step forward. Yeah, he's a star. He's a star, man. Um, he can create from all three levels as far as the score is concerned. Um, his passing in the little bits that I've seen hasn't been the best, but like he's he's grown he's growing as a scorer and it's obvious to see and I'm gonna be following him all year. Um I'll tell you what, if Paul George leaves in two years and, and Shea is an all star by then, I'm gonna be kicking myself, but you know That was always the risk. That I mean that was always the risk when you do a deal like this. And you get rid of a stud like SGA, who everybody does think is going to be an all-star. That really does seem to be the Twitter hype this offseason. Everybody watching (laughs) Shea is saying he's going to be an all-star. The way he has progressed, he's a stud. There's no doubt about it. But you did this trade as a win-now move. The Clippers are championship-starved. They want to bring a title to Los Angeles. This is a chance that they have to do it. They obviously got a chance to get Kawhi and PG, so they pulled the trigger in order to do that. You have to get rid of somebody. Unfortunately, you can't just go. This isn't fancy basketball where you have some really bad owner that doesn't know what they're doing and some bad GM, (laughs) and all of a sudden they're going to go and they're going to give you PG for nothing. I mean, you're going to have to give up something, and the Clippers gave up loads and loads of draft picks, and they gave up a guy in SGA who really does seem like he's going to be an all-star, but I still think you have to do the move. I mean, you have a chance, obviously, to win the title now. It seems like everybody – is picking the Clippers to win the title, which does scare me a little bit, by the way. I don't love the expectations being that high, but at the same time, it's nice to actually be a fan of a team that is supposed to win the title because that's something that we haven't been used to as Clippers fans. Yeah. In regards to your latter point, I, I, I the, the trepidation towards the, um, the expectations for me has waned a little bit just because when I just think about the reality of the situation – um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, if healthy, they're going to be hell, man. Mm-hmm. There's, um, they're going to be hell. I, I'm, I'm, I'm so anxious. I'm so ready to see how that looks. I'm so ready for the season to start. Um, Shea is definitely going to be an all-star. I don't know if he'll ever become as good as Paul George was last year. And with Paul George being in the prime of his career right now, um, it's a no-brainer trade that you make. And if the trade works out the way you're supposed to, you get the first championship in franchise history. And that's and what it, that's you, you you trade anybody for that, you know, the, for that opportunity. So um, much respect to Shea. I'm looking forward to watching him a ton this year. But I'm just as excited, probably more, in terms of what how special we can be if we can get this rebounding situation fixed. Yeah. Opening night, you assuming it's going to be Beverly, Shamit, Kawhi, Jermichael Green, and Zoo? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that it looks like that's what he's been – that's what Doc's been leaning toward. Um, I know at the beginning of camp, they were trying – they were kind of interchanging uh, Jermichael and Mo, 
who's another guy that I'm excited about. Um, but it looks like they settled in on Jamichael Green. Um, I felt like he was. I, th- I felt like he had that starting power forward spot locked in since the moment he resigned. And I'm a huge Jamichael guy in general, so I'm looking forward to seeing him play alongside somebody like Kawhi as well as a as a potential floor spacer. Once PG comes comes back, what do you think the lineup looks like? Um, I mentioned this earlier. I, I I'm gonna. I think Sham's gonna end up becoming off the bench. Yeah, I think so too. So I'm. I think it's gonna look like Pat. PG, Kawhi, Jamichael, and Zoo. I don't think they want Paul or Kawhi starting against power forwards defensively. And um, I think I mentioned this kind of on the previous pod with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sham's um, off-ball movement can help the second unit a ton. It could add some, some, some wrinkle to the Trez Lou pick and roll. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And you have the ability to play Sham at the one or the two, and that does help Absolutely. free up Lou a little bit so he doesn't have to handle the ball all the time, and he can run around and cause hell, and you put him with Trez. I mean, it's a pretty good bench. When healthy, this team's really exciting, but it really does worry me when you have guys like PG Hurt and then you have that weakness in rebounding because I can already see it where the Clippers start off slow because they have a tough schedule, obviously. You get the Lakers and the Warriors in the first two games, and then there's just a, an uphill battle from there. But we have to remember that this is definitely going to be a marathon and not a sprint. And it's going to take some time before we get to April. Uh, uh, where do you think the Clippers now end up? I mean, now that you've seen them play the preseason, what seed do you think they end up getting? Um, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that they'll finish uh, around the second seed. Okay. I, I'm just, I'm just wildly, I, I, and that's probably, I'm probably in the minority with that. I've seen a lot of chatter about how this roster is going to be great for the playoffs, but for the, for, for injury reasons and load management reasons, they won't um, get to, they won't get to that second seat. I'm of the belief that they will. And I'm also of the belief that it's very important that they do. I'm not so sure. If, if you look at history, it's really, really hard to come out of the West if you're not a top two seed. So I, I, don't, I don't think they should burn themselves out chasing that. But I think that their talent and their ability will get them there towards once they get through this hellacious part of the opening schedule and we can get Paul George back on the floor. I think, I think the Clippers can get to that second seed. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure what, what that looks like from a wins perspective, but I definitely expect them to be near the top of the conference. Hopefully hopefully we can avoid the injury bug, any sort of serious injuries. And if we do, I definitely see them at, towards the top of the conference. Yeah, the West what is about gonna, you? The West is going to be wild, man. It really is. I feel like we have so many teams that are being discussed. Obviously, Denver and Utah, and then you have Houston. You have the Lakers. You have the Clippers. You have... New Orleans, who now Zion, unfortunately, is hurt, and hopefully it's not too long. Um, probably going to be about 7 to 10 is my guess. And then you have so many other teams that go up and down. You have Portland. Uh, I know I'm missing a couple as I keep ta- rallying them off. But the, de- the West is so deep that it really feels like you can't have like a t- bad two- or three-week stretch because if you do, that's the difference between being the two and probably the four or five seed in the playoffs. Yeah, and if you're and if you're the four or five seed, um, I, I know this roster is unique because if the Clippers are the four or five seed, um, 
and they have Kawhi and PG healthy, you probably still take them in the playoffs over over most teams in the Western Conference. But things just can go wrong when you when you're that far um, under the standings. You're going to be playing somebody really really good in the second round without home court. And that's not that's that's not the best recipe for um, success. And so that's kind of like what I'm looking at as far as let's let's shore up a second a second seed, please. Yeah, I'm not sure how important home court is um, because I don't think the Clippers have one of the best home courts in the NBA. Um, And when they go on the Mm. road, I don't think that Kawhi is phased. Um, PG maybe PG maybe a little bit more, but Kawhi obviously is just not human, and he you can't you can't <laughs> get to him. It's that simple. Uh, I think the Clippers will probably end up as the three, um, unless they shore up that rebounding sooner rather than later, because I think that's going to be a weakness they're going to have to address. But by the time the playoffs come, if everybody's healthy and you get that big in there, then I don't think anyone's going to want to face the Clippers. And I think that's what's most important is you go in there, and obviously if you're the 2-3, it doesn't really matter, I don't think, because you're going to be playing that 2 seed or that 3 seed no matter what, barring a upset. So I don't care either way, but I think the Clippers end up as the 3. Hopefully they can get to about 45, sorry, 54, 55 wins and then kind of go from there. That's my sweet spot, 55 and 27. That's kind of like what I've settled in on as far as what, what their record looks like, just giving like a quick glance at the schedule. Um, 55 and 27 looks about right if we can stay away from the injury bug. Um, hopefully hopefully not too much less than that, but we'll see. Yeah. Anything else you, uh, you want to chat about or do you want to promote yourself before we say goodbye? Um, not not. Too much promoted promotion on, on my end. Just that uh, we're fine. We're finally here. Um, there's just so much things that there's so many things that I'm anxious to look at come Tuesday. Um, I don't. I don't think a win or a loss is gonna mean much on Tuesday. Although it'd be really nice to get a win against those guys, but more so than anything, it's just really great to have Clipper basketball back. Um, and getting a really good look at what should be a special season. And as you said, once we get to see that this roster against Anthony Davis, against JaVale McGee, against Dwight Howard down there, um, we can start to finally see, okay, this team is really good, but this is where they've got to improve. And then, then we can start to chart about, start to talk and chat about, okay, what's the realistic avenues towards getting better and hopefully shoring up all of our issues before the playoffs come. Yeah. But I'm ready. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I'd like to get that win to uh, open things up. It's always nice to get a win against the Laker fans, and you know that if you lose and Laker fans just won't stop talking and they'll keep yapping, and the the response is going to be Paul George wasn't there. I mean, it's as simple as that. It's that Paul George wasn't there. Um, obviously Davis and LeBron are going to cause some problems. And I think facing them this early in the season is unfortunate because both guys are healthy. They're ready to go. LeBron's going to, doesn't have those miles on his legs yet, but nonetheless, it'll be fun. It'll be great to have basketball back. No doubt about that. All right. You can follow Justin on Twitter at LA Clippers film. You're on Instagram now too, right? Yeah. At Justin Wilson underscore. Come see, come see, come see what I'm about over there. There you go. Justin Wilson, always enjoy the time with you, man. And uh, let's get some wins, huh? Yeah, let's get some wins and let's talk about them later on a future episode. I need to be like, I, I want this to be a reoccurring thing, man. I love this. 
I love this platform. And it will be, no doubt about that. Thanks for your time, man. No problem, man. You have a great day. Justin Wilson, a tremendous guest. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. At LA Clippers Film is where you can find him. Also, he talked about you can find him on Instagram as well. See what he's all about on the social media sites. Speaking of social media, at BD Marcus is my handle. At Hoopball Clips is where you can find this Clippers podcast. This has been a Hoopball Clippers presentation. Hope you enjoy the regular season opener. Lakers and Clippers should be a good one. We'll be back that week to discuss the opener and everything else going around the Clippers Nation world. Have a good one, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.